Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Welcome to Lakeside. My name is Nicholas. I'm the Director of Communication, and it is my privilege, really my pleasure, to welcome you to church today. I know that many of you have been watching for quite some time in that we've been able to interact online uh, for the entirety of our online church gathering experience. So I really am grateful for you guys. It's always fun to see you guys in the chat. I'm actually, you know what, while we're here, I'm going to pull up the chat, see if I can just say hello and say good morning to you guys. In the meantime, you may have noticed some decorations that are here on the table next to me. These are the result. Yeah, if you want to grab a shot of those while I pull this up. These are the result of Pumpkin Con which was an event that our fourth and fifth grade group participated in on Friday. They came out. They obviously had a bunch of fun and, uh, and talent when it comes to decorating pumpkins. And then I think that they went over onto the side uh, next to our hillside lawn. We have kind of the, that long hill for the parking lot. Rolled a bunch of pumpkins down that, smashed a bunch of stuff. Just had a whole bunch of ooey-gooey, sticky pumpkin fun. But now the decorations are out here, out in the lobby for everybody to see, get into the spirit, hang out, and just kind of enjoy the October weather. Um, I should mention and welcome you in if you're joining us on the podcast. Uh, as always on the podcast, we feature just the message portion of our gathering. So if you're looking for the entire gathering experience, you can go ahead and jump over to YouTube, jump over to Facebook. You can find us on there. That's all of the worship. Everything's involved there. If you're looking to just get down to the message portion, keep it simple, keep it sweet. You can go ahead and download the Lakeside Church podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Otherwise, make sure on YouTube, you go ahead and hit subscribe. You can click the little bell too to get notifications of any other content we have that's coming out. Spoiler alert, there's one that's going to be there today because we have a baptism recap from when we were down at Negro Bar last weekend doing baptisms. So things like that, as we get closer into the Christmas holiday season, we're going to have some other pieces of content outside of just our regular weekend gatherings that are going to be produced and released out there on YouTube. So it's a great way to get a little bit more of a the lakeside spirit or just a little bit more of the lifestyle spirit of what's going on here in the church and seeing fun things like this. So I encourage you to do that. And uh, you can do that over on Facebook as well. And then on our website, lakesidechurch.com, you can just scroll down a little bit. You can see all of our past gatherings. If you miss one, we have a whole archive page that's on there for you. So you can jump back and you can check those out, reinvest, or just revisit some messages that you love from the past. All of our messages, all the way back for years and years have been archived on lakesidechurch.com just underneath that tab. So I'm going to jump into Facebook here. I'm going to say good morning to some of you. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the gathering. I'll speak to you guys after. Good morning, everybody. Wow, I love that. That's, that was last Sunday afternoon's baptism celebration that we did over at Negro Bar. And uh, how great just to be able to hear people's stories and then to watch, like, oh, I'm, I'm being baptized. And uh, I want everybody who's here to know that. That's the story of a Christ follower who gets baptized. So really great stuff that, that happened last week. A lot of great stuff going on these days. We're going to look into Scripture in just a second, or actually multiple seconds. Tell the truth. It's church. <laughs> um, but we're going to pray together first. So we've been taking a, a little practice over the last few weekends where we're praying for other churches in our community. And uh, a bunch of our churches in our community have, have gotten together to do this, and we're all ganging up on one church at a time, one church a weekend, and we're praying for them. So today we're going to pray for Harbor Church, which uh, meets over in Old Folsom, and they've got some great stuff going on there. They've got some great uh, recovery, like addiction recovery ministries going on. They've got some... 
uh, beautiful family-type ministries for kids and grown-ups and things like that. They've got some great active sports ministries going on. So a lot of really good stuff. The lead pastor there now is a, a man named a young man named Sam Koopmans. And Sam's a good friend of mine. He's a good man, and uh, he's young. He's only, been, he's only been in that lead role less than a year. And uh, I just want us to pray for him and for the church and that God does beautiful things through them. Okay? So let's pray together for Harbor Church. Father in heaven, thank you so much for all the good things you're doing among us and around us. I'm grateful for the ones who got baptized last Sunday afternoon. Lord, some beautiful stories, some amazing stories of faith in you, and so thank you for them. I pray for those people that were baptized, that you'll bless them. Uh, it's been a week, and I know the, the enemy comes in and does all kinds of things to disrupt someone's faith when they get baptized, so bless our friends, and Lord, lift them up and encourage them in their faith in you and their walk with you today. Lord, today as a church, as Lakeside, and at really as a church of Folsom and our community, uh, we want to pray for Harbor Church today. I pray, Lord, for Pastor Sam. Lord, here's this good young man who wants to lead your people well, and it's a challenging season. And I don't know what I would have done if I had gotten into the ministry as a, as a senior leader and the pandemic was going on and all the turmoil and things that are going on around us. And Lord, he's right smack in the middle of it. So bless him. Bless him with wisdom and faith to lead. Lord, bless him with the wisdom of Solomon and the faith of David to lead your people. And Lord, I pray for the, the ministries that they do. They, they reach out in all kinds of ways. One of the strong ministries they have there is their addiction recovery ministry. And I pray you bless that whole process, Lord. Uh, people that are in bondage to substances, people that are under the thumb of addictions, I pray you'll set them free, and I pray you'll use that group to make that happen, to help make that happen. I pray that your redemption would swoop in on them and bring them to you and bring them freedom. Lord, it was for freedom that you set us free. So I, I pray for that. I pray for the, the things they do with children, and I think today, I think they might be doing an outside gathering today. And so whatever, whatever it is they're doing today at Harbor, bless them, and in the days ahead, bless them, and watch over their whole church family May their people, your people in that church, may they represent you really beautifully in the days ahead. And Lord, what we pray for them, we pray for us as well. Work in us, work through us, transform us, Lord, so that we look like you and we live like you. Lord, thank you for your kindness and your mercy and for your redemption. We love you, Jesus. Amen. You ever have a situation, you ever have a moment in your life that you realize something about yourself and the thing that you realize transformed you? Like the thing that you realize, like, like changed the kind of person you were going to be. You ever have a moment like that? Like when was the moment in your life, when was the moment that you realized you were going to be a really good driver? You oh, you remember it. Uh, when was the moment that you knew you're a really good parent, or you would be a really good parent? Do you remember the time when you when you knew that for sure? When you realized it, like that was going to happen, that was a thing. Do you remember when that? Do you remember? Do you remember when you realized that you're really good with money, and you're really good with relationships, 
And you're really, really, when was the moment you realized that you're really good at public policy? Remember that moment? Do you remember that? Do you remember the moment that you realized you're really good at faith? Like you're really good at religion? Remember that moment? Do you remember these? Yeah, some. No, two of us. Two of us remember. Don't you, okay, let me walk that back a little bit with you. Don't you remember the day that you realized you're a really good driver? It was a day you were driving down the road, and everybody else that was driving on that day was either an idiot or a maniac. <laughs> now do you remember? The, the idiots go too slow, the maniacs go too fast, and you, you are a good driver. Do you, now do you remember? Do you remember the day... Don't you remember the day, maybe, maybe for you or maybe for me, it was the day you, like the day after you turned 16 and now you could drive the car. And so your mom was so happy, like, good, you can drive the car. Would you go to the store and pick up some milk and some eggs? You remember? And you went to the store and you had to go all the way to the back of the store because they want you to pick up everything else when you're trying to get the things you need. And so you went to the back of the store and you had to come back down this aisle to get to the checkout place. And there was that parent. And there was a two-year-old in that parent's cart. Remember this? And that two-year-old was in complete control of that parent's behavior. Do you remember? And you said to yourself, I will never be that parent. Remember that day? Now you, now you remember? Starting to, like, starting to, yeah, remember? Remember that day you saw a homeless person on the street? And you had a revelation at that moment, you had a revelation. It was like you knew everything that person had done to mishandle money and mishandle relationships and mishandle life. You knew every single thing they'd done badly. Because you would never do those things because you're good at all that stuff. Remember that? Remember the day you realized that you were better at religion than other people? Because you've got it, remember, you got it dialed in. Do you remember that? Did that help you at all? Hmm. Do you remember this scripture? Remember this scripture? This comes from the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus talking to the people on a hillside one day in the most important message that's ever been delivered. And Jesus stands up, and one of the things that he says in this message is, do not judge, or you too will be judged. Do you remember that? Now, now you're with me? Am I the only one? No, I'm not. I'm not judging you when I say this, but I'm not the only one. If judging wasn't such a hard thing for us, Jesus wouldn't have told us not to do it. If we didn't need instruction, if we didn't need coaching, if we didn't need direction, Jesus wouldn't have said, don't judge or you'll be judged. Do you remember this thing from Jesus? Do not judge lest you be judged yourselves. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it shall be measured to you. And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? And behold, the log is in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That's from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And when he says that, he's talking to us. See, I have a confession. I'm a judger. I'm not a judge. I have no jurisdiction. I have no authority. But I have tons of insight. 
And so I'm a judger. I, I, I can judge all kinds of people in all kinds of ways for doing all kinds of things. I'm a judger because I'm good at it. Or I'm at least better than you are at all of it. I'm, I'm like, remember KFC? Remember KFC when they used to be called Kentucky Fried Chicken? Remember? And, and they, had a, they had a saying that they, that they said about chicken. Remember? We do chicken. We do chicken right. You know what that says about everybody else who does chicken? You're not good at it. You guys are selling chicken, but you're not good at it. We do chicken right. Well, here's, here's me. I'm the Kentucky Fried Chicken of life. I mean, I, I wish I weren't. It's a, it's a burden to carry. But I, but I, but I do life right. Or I do Christian right. And that's me. And that's why I judge, because I think I'm so good at it. Don't, and don't judge me. There's this ancient group that you find in the Bible. They're, they're known as Pharisees. Their name means holy ones, or more literally, separated ones. And so there's this group of the Pharisees, and they were, they were the best people in the world. They were the best people on the planet. They were the most holy people on the planet. Everybody thought so, especially them. And they told everybody, like, well, hey, we're the best on the planet. And, and you meet them, if you've read the gospel stories, if you've read the stories of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, you've, you've come across Pharisees. What I found is a lot of us skip over those stories, because we, we go, well, Jesus isn't talking to me here. He's talking to the Pharisees, and I'm not like them. I would never be like that. I would never be like them. And when we say that, then when you find out that he's actually talking exactly to us. But it seems to me we often skip over or skim over these stories of the Pharisees when they have interactions with Jesus, and we miss what Jesus is trying to speak to us in their stories. See, they had a slogan for themselves in that generation. Their slogan was, we do religion right. We do it right. We know we do it right, and you know we do it right. Don't judge them, because you might be them. If you have your Bible, why don't you pull it out and open up to Matthew chapter 5. So, Matthew, the first verses I told you from uh, Matthew 7, that's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The beginning of the Sermon on the Mount is in Matthew chapter 5, verse, and I want you to see verse 20. Uh, if you've got your paper Bible, open that up. If you've got your smartphone, you can pull it up on there and uh, uh, go to events, and you'll find Lakeside in there under the events section, and we'll have the scriptures there for you. Listen to this. This is Matthew 5, verse 20, and this is Jesus speaking. He says this, For I tell you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, some of you, you've been paying attention. You're like, no, 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 that's not how it works. You know, you, the way you go to heaven is you have to trust Jesus as your Savior, and then you go to heaven. Well, don't contradict Jesus. Jesus is the one who said, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So which is it? What's happening in this? And when I read that, I, I, I just stop for a minute. I go, uh-oh. 
And the people who heard that, the people who were actually on the hillside listening to Jesus talk that day, they heard Jesus say this, like, hey, your righteousness has to surpass that of the Pharisees. Everyone's like, oh, because those are the most righteous people I've ever heard of. Those are the most righteous people that anybody have ever, has ever heard of. How's my righteousness ever going to surpass that of the Pharisees? In fact, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't just say, hey, your righteousness has to surpass that of the Pharisees. The word that he uses for surpass is a word that means to superabundantly pass, which is not how we talk. But it's a word that he used. Like, you don't, like sometimes we think, you know, God, like God grades on a scale. I just have to be better than you a little bit. I'm just better than you a little bit, then I'll be okay. No, he says, your righteousness has to superabundantly surpass the most righteous people on the planet. And if righteousness is based on rules, we're in deep weeds. Right? We're in big trouble if it's all based on rules. But what Jesus is trying to say to us is our righteousness is not based on rules. That's what the Pharisees thought it was. That's what the people in Jesus' generation thought it was. That's why they thought they'd never measure up. But Jesus is saying righteousness is not about that. Righteousness is about having a whole relationship with God, an unbroken relationship relationship with God, and it's about having a whole relationship with other human beings whom God created in his image. That's what righteousness looks like. So here's my confession today. I'm a Pharisee. It's who I am. It's who I am by, it's who I am by nature, and it's who I am by nurture. I, I think I was raised to go, you, you know, you're good, like better than you, you know, that, and that's in my heart. I, it didn't take much coaching from my parents to be that way. It's just who I am. I am a Pharisee, and I don't, I don't want to stand here and judge you and tell you you are, but if you look at any of those scenarios that we just walked through, you, it's possible you might be a Pharisee or just like them. We're going to do a series starting today and for the next few weekends. We're going to do a series called Confessions of a Pharisee. In some ways, it's autobiographical. It's my story. And so you may get tired of hearing my story. Um, deal with it. <laughs> because, because it's probably your story. I'm, not, I'm, I'm smart enough to know when the Bible speaks to us, it's not just speaking to me. It's like, oh, that was like just for me. Well, it's probably for me and about seven and a half billion other people, and all of us included. That's probably where this is going. So we're going to talk about being Pharisees and what it looks like, and I, I want you to see a couple of scriptures that describe this today. So if you have your Bible out still, turn to Luke chapter 6. Let me read you a story about Jesus from Luke chapter 6. And let's just see where, here's a question to be asking. Where do you see yourself in the story? Luke 6, verse 6 says this, On another Sabbath, Jesus went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. Literally what Jesus said was, get up and stand in the middle. He's saying to, the, to everyone in the synagogue, crowd around this man. 
And they made this, he made this man the center of attention. And so the man got up and stood there. And then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Now, a little bit of background. Jesus has been ticking off the Pharisees for about three chapters. There was a time three chapters ago, Jesus cast out a demon on the Sabbath, and he healed people on the Sabbath, and he forgave people's sins, which only God can do. And he gathered around the table, and he ate with sinners. Jesus did all those things, and and every time the Pharisees saw this, they got more and more upset. They got more and more angry with Jesus for the way he behaved. Why? Because he wasn't following the rules. Whose rules? Theirs. That's the problem. Pharisees had had enough, and they said to Jesus, you're not doing it right. You're not playing by our rules. You're not, you have to do it right. I mean, there's a reason we, rose, we raised the standard to where we are, because we do religion right. And Jesus, you don't. The rule that the Pharisees loved to keep the best was the Sabbath rule, or I should say the Sabbath rules, because they had hundreds of them. Nobody knows exactly when the Pharisees began as a party, like as a group. Nobody knows exactly when they started. But about 700 years before Jesus showed up, the people of Israel were sent away into exile. The nation of Babylon, the empire of Babylon had come in, had had, uh, captured the the Jewish people. At first, they sent off the best and the brightest to, to the capital city of Babylon. Then they brought the rest of the population, just deported everybody out to Babylon, left Jerusalem empty. They brought in other people to be in the city of Jerusalem while they sent the Jewish people out to Babylon. Now, while they're in Babylon, they don't have access to their temple. And their whole Jewish faith was built on the idea that you had to offer sacrifices to God in the temple to make atonement for your sins. Somehow you've got to get reconnected with God. And that was all done to the temple. For 70 years, they had no temple. For 70 years, they didn't have a means of being able to execute their religion. And so they came up with a bunch of rules to help them in the, in the meantime. And a lot of those rules landed on the Sabbath day. And so for the Pharisees, now they've come back to the land. They still kept those rules. The priests were in charge of the temple again, but the Pharisees were in charge of the Sabbath day. So when anyone broke the rules of the Sabbath day, the Pharisees were personally offended. And that commitment to the Sabbath day carries on till this day in the land of Israel. If you go to the city of Jerusalem today and you stay in any hotel, you will find that hotel has at least one Sabbath elevator. All the other ones at 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon will shut down. And until 8 o'clock on Saturday night, the only elevator that will work in that hotel is a Sabbath elevator. It's an elevator that stops on every floor. And the door opens and the door closes and then it goes to the next floor. And then it goes to the next. It just stops on every floor. And the reason why is so that nobody has to do work by pushing a button. Don't judge them. That's the Sabbath rule. They have Sabbath stoplights. You know how you, know how you, come, you come to a corner, you come to an intersection if you're a pedestrian, which 
Nobody is anymore, but if you were a pedestrian, you know, you could push a button and the light would change for you, give you permission to cross the street. They don't have that on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day, it just keeps changing. It doesn't matter if 100 cars are behind you and nobody's crossing this way. It's just going to keep on its normal rhythm of the Sabbath day so that nobody has to push a button, so nobody has to do work. That's all developed from the time of the Pharisees when they said the rules of the Sabbath matter. Now Jesus comes into the synagogue and there's a man with a hand that won't stretch out. It's curled up. Jesus says, come, come stand in the middle. And the Pharisees, they're just waiting because they, they just know it. They know he's going to do it again. And sure enough, Jesus says to the guy, stand in the middle. And he stands there and everybody's watching, including the Pharisees. And Jesus says, stretch out your hand. Stretches right out, good as new. And Jesus looks around and he asks the question, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? In an act of defiant mercy, Jesus reframes the Sabbath ethic. He didn't break the Sabbath. He broke the Pharisees' rules of the Sabbath. He changed the ethic. He said, you know what? On the Sabbath, if you want to do something good for your neighbor, you can. On, on the Sabbath, if you want to heal somebody, you can. That's how God made the Sabbath. It's for you. He didn't make you for the Sabbath. He didn't make the Sabbath so it would own you. He gave you the Sabbath so it would bless you. Jesus said, what, what's right? To heal or to hurt on the Sabbath day? Pharisees didn't like it because they ended up looking petty and heartless, which they were. So they looked at what they could do to take Jesus out. I mean, here's, here's the Pharisees. They're so concerned about doing the right Sabbath rules that they're willing to break the sixth commandment just to keep their Sabbath rules. They're willing to kill Jesus to keep their Sabbath rules. Don't we get sideways sometimes when we start judging people? Don't we get sideways sometimes when we go, my standard is the best standard and your standard's not so good and you have to live to my standard and if you don't live to my standard, then I'll judge you? Isn't that how it rolls? And yet Jesus says, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It's lawful to heal on the Sabbath. And in that moment, he expressed the heart of God. That's God's heart for us. Look at another story over in Luke chapter 13. A little bit farther on in Jesus' story, Luke 13 verse 10 tells this story. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, shouldn't she be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? 
And when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Here's a woman who cannot stand up straight. And when Jesus healed the synagogue leader who was a Pharisee, he got so angry. He's so angry at Jesus, but he realizes by this time in Jesus' life, Jesus has way too much power and authority. He's got too, too much clout to address him. So the synagogue leader says to everybody else in the room, hey, you guys, there's six days on which he can do work. Show up that day to get healing. No more coming on the Sabbath for healing. What a mook. I mean, spiritually speaking. He's mad at Jesus, but he scolds the people. If there's a character in the Bible that you don't want to be like, it's the Pharisees. The problem is, human beings tend to be Pharisees. If not in every area, then in some area. We tend to be Pharisees. We tend to judge others. We, and with that judgment con, comes condemnation. With that judgment comes contempt. You who know me and have known me for a while know that I struggle with perfectionism. I used to think it was a gift. I mean, why wouldn't you want to be your best, you know? I mean, the Army wants your best or the, Navy, or the Marines. Somebody wants your best, you know. Be all you can be. That's just what I'm trying to do. And yet my perfectionism, my desire to be the best that I can be, ends up leaking out on others in the form of contempt. It's not a gift. It's a wound. And it's a wound maker. Perfectionists like Pharisees are arrogant, self-righteous, better than thou's. Perfectionists like the Pharisees are heroes of their own stories and heroes of their own religious stories. And when I read the scriptures, and I found this out several years ago, when I read the scriptures in the Gospels, and, and, and I come to the stories that talk about Jesus and his interactions with the Pharisees, I began to realize that those stories say more about me than any other part of the Bible I know. And what's more, those stories tend to describe my tribe. See, not only, are, not only are human beings Pharisees by nature, but evangelical Christians are Pharisees by nature. And I'm not judging because it's my tribe. I'm not casting stuff on somebody else. I'm not casting shade on somebody else. I'm casting it on me and my tribe. I am a card-carrying evangelical Jesus follower. And by that I mean this, I believe the gospel. I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe that he lived a perfect, sinless life for my sake and for yours. And I believe as a result of that life, he died on a cross. And he didn't die by accident and didn't die needlessly. He died on purpose and he died for me. I believe that. And then they buried him. They put him in the ground. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. He came back to life, never to die again. And he did that for me. And I believe that. And I believe his scriptures are the inspired word of God. And they lead me infallibly toward Christ 
and toward redemption. I believe all those things. That makes me, by, definite, by definition, an evangelical. It has nothing to do with politics, which was all added way later. It has to do with those things that I just described for you. I'm a card-carrying member, and my tribe tends to be Pharisees. We judge others. We hold others with contempt. And we match those people that got mad at Jesus 2,000 years ago. And, you, and, we, and we say, well, if I had been there, I never would have treated Jesus like they treated him. And I used to think that about myself. And now I'm not so sure because the character is in my soul. And it needs to be redeemed. And the only one who can redeem it is Christ. Evangelicals have a slogan. Our slogan is, we do Christian right. It's a little ironic that the, new, the, that the, that the media has decided to call the, the Christians who claim to be evangelical, they, they call them the Christian right. And I know the idea of that is a spectrum from left to right, but it's really funny. We do Christian right. We believe the right things. We pray the right way. We go to the right churches. And we know who's outside the circle. You know how we know who's outside the circle? Because we drew the circle. We preach a gospel of grace, but grace is absent from our lives and our relationships from other, with others. We claim to love God, but we can't find the way to love the people that are created in God's image. We are more like the Pharisees sometimes than we are like Jesus, I confess, for me. If that's true of you, I think repentance is in order. If it's true of me, repentance is in order. And not the kind of repentance that comes, you know, from some guy standing up front with fiery hair and, you know, and smoke coming out of his ears going, repent, turn or burn. Not that. That's not what it's about. It's simply being able to say, I'm going this direction. And I found out it's the wrong direction. And so I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go this direction. See, I was going this direction and I thought I was, I thought I was doing everything right. But I come to find out I'm not following Jesus in this direction at all because he's over here. And repentance gets me in a place where I go, okay, oh, oh, gee, oh, there you are, Jesus. I want to go with you. If these things ring true in your own heart, repentance is in order. Step one of dealing with this is to admit that I have a problem. I'll never make progress until I admit that I have a problem. Let me give you three questions to ask that, that deal with this. And again, if this doesn't land on you, if there's no, if, if like, eh, the Lord's not telling me those things, fine. But the person next to you might, the Lord might be speaking to them like he does to me on this. Let me just give you three questions to ask. Number one, ask someone in your life. 
If you're married, ask your spouse. They'll know. If you have children, ask your children. They'll know. If you have a trusted enemy, ask them. They'll know. Ask them this question. Ask someone this question. Do I have a problem in this area? Do I have a problem with judgment? Do I have a problem with condemnation? Do I have a problem with contempt of others? Do I have a problem? Ask somebody in your life. They'll know. If you can't figure it out, if you're not sure, and I wasn't, I wasn't aware, if you're not aware, ask somebody. They'll, they'll tell you. Second, next time you're ready to start on a judgmental rant of somebody else in some area of life where you clearly do it better than they do, the next time you're ready to start on a, on a judgmental rant like that, stop and ask God the second question, which is this. God, is there anything in this situation that I am not seeing? Because you know, you know where our judgmental nature comes from? It comes from imperfect information, right? We're perfect in everything that we do, but we have imperfect information when it comes to judging others. And who would ever have that information? If you ever had to, if you ever had to find out if there was other information that, to keep you from judging somebody, who would you ask? Who would know? Only God. And so stop and just ask, God, is there anything in this situation that I'm missing? Is there anything in this situation that I don't understand? And let, him, and let him speak to you. And then number three, the next time you're ready to declare yourself or you're tempted to declare yourself better than someone else, and, you see, and, and, and someone else is in, your, is in your sights there, someone else is in the target of what you're going to shoot at here really quickly, when someone else is in, the, in your crosshairs, ask yourself, how has Jesus set me free to bring grace into this situation? Isn't that what Jesus did? When he said to them, is it lawful to do evil or to do good on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to save a life or to destroy a life? Wasn't Jesus saying, I give you grace to bring grace into this situation? And so ask yourself, how has Jesus set me free to bring grace to this moment? this day. And maybe he will transform you. And maybe when he does transform you, he'll begin to transform the world around you through you. Jesus, I pray for us today. I pray for me first of all. Because I'm, I'm the one, Lord. I'm, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I always wanted never to be that guy, but I am. I'm the judger. I'm the one who has contempt for other people's skills or abilities or whatever. And Lord, it's not your heart. So I pray for me, and then Lord, I pray for everyone else in here who may be somewhat like me. They know better than I know. They know. And so I pray for them too. I pray, Lord, for us that we, would, that we would be people that you would redeem and you would rescue us from that, from that judgmental, critical harshness of the Pharisees. And Lord, I pray that you would replace that with this beautiful, grace-filled love that you show for a man with, a, with a, an unworkable hand or for a woman who can't even stand up straight 
or someone who can't get their life straightened up enough to not live on the street. Lord, would you, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you fill us with your grace and your love so that we learn how to treat others like that, like you? Lord, thank you. You are a good God, and you are a generous Savior, and we need you, and we want you. We turn to you today. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'll, I'll let you sit with that. I'll let you take that and go, okay, God, and start asking the questions and see what God wants to do, okay? Hey, I want to give you some things that we're, that we're working on, some things that are coming up. Uh, number one, if you're newer, newer with us, like you're not, you're like you've been here maybe a week or two weeks or a month or something like that, and you haven't joined us for this. We've got uh, I'm new going out in the lobby, going on out in the lobby today, and it's we got to, if you're new with us, we've got a gift for you, and we want to help you to inter, uh, meet. We want to introduce some of our pastoral team to you, our pastoral staff, and so right after we get done, uh, go out and join us. It's right across the lobby on the outside of the lobby there, or the outside edge of the lobby, and uh, join us for I'm new. Okay, for everybody today, we have donuts. And nobody's judging you if you eat one. It's beautiful. Uh, so that's good. One more thing I want to let you know about. Um, when we, We've been back together, meeting together in person inside for like six or eight months. I forgot to count it up before we started today. But for six or eight months, since March, we've been back together. And uh, it's so great to be together. It's so great. You know, I, I don't take for granted the, the fact that we get to gather together in person these day, inside these days. It's just a, a great gift. Well, when we got together back in March, uh, we had some constraints because we only put, I think, I think it was 25% of the auditorium capacity in the room, and we got all excited because we're like, oh, we're going to be back together, and everyone's going to come all at once, and it'll be amazing, and we found out that that's not true because, you know, some of our friends are still online. If you're online with us today, thank you for being with us, uh, but it hasn't been exactly what we had expected. We also know that there's a, uh, there's a prime time for church. You know how the, the, the networks have primetime television? You don't watch it anymore because you do everything on demand and you can binge whatever you want, but they still have that thing. Well, there's primetime at church also, and it goes from about 9 o'clock till about uh, 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. And our biggest crowd on Sundays right now is which hour? Yours. Because you guys are primetimers, right? That's how that works. We, well, we, you know, things are going beautifully at Lakeside. There's beautiful children's stuff happening. Our Lakeside kids, did you see all the pumpkins out there? We had, com we had not Comic-Con, we had Pumpkin-Con. We had, yeah, Comic-Con. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. We had Pumpkin-Con on Friday night. It's, it was amazing, and we did all this pumpkin stuff with kids. There's a lot of really great stuff going on with our kids. There's a ton of great stuff going on with our teenagers. I love those things. There's just a lot of beautiful things. We've got over 100 people in Journey Lines, our new discipleship strategy. It's like all great, but we're realizing that our Sunday schedule is not being the most useful to us in terms of how do we reach people, how do we touch people, how do we see people, how do we communicate with people, how do our ministries function best. So on October 31st, we're going to change our gathering schedule. Uh, it's going to affect you a little bit because there won't be a 10 o'clock gathering. I know. But there will be two primetime gatherings. We're going to go from three gatherings to two. We're going to do one at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings and one at 10.30. Pick whichever one you like, 
and come and join us. If you're online or if you, you guys here are sometimes online, the online gathering will be at 1030 at, instead of 10 o'clock. So just note that change. But that's coming so that we get to do the things that we think God is calling us to do. Okay? Some details that I think you need to know. And again, we'll tell you this next week. It, it, this doesn't happen next week. Next week, come back at 10 or whenever you, you, know, whenever you like. Next week online, we'll be at 10. On the 31st, two weeks from now, we'll, we'll make this switch. But some details. All Lakeside Kids programming will be moved into the main building. So all the kids that are over, except for middle school, all the like second through fifth graders that are in the block, on that day, we're going to move into room 216. And all of our kids, uh, Lakeside Kids ministry will be in this main building. Early childhood will be downstairs. Kindergarten through fifth grade will be upstairs. Second through fifth grade will be in room 216. Uh, MSM will meet at 1030 at the block. You're welcome. Uh, and online will be at 1030. And all that begins on October 31st. Okay, that's a lot of details. We'll give it to you next week. We'll put it out in the emails and things. You'll have it for you in your, in your laptop or your phone or your watch or your ear, you know, whatever it is you're using these days. And you, you, got, you got a computer in your glasses. It's going to be there. It'll be everywhere. Okay, just so you know all that. Uh, but all, all of that's just to be able to say, okay, God, how do we do this ministry most effectively for your sake these days? All right? Last thing, we're going to give an offering today. If you're here in the room, we've got offering boxes at the exits. If you want to put an offering in the box, you can do that. If you want to text uh, Lakeside Give, all one word, to 97,000, you can give an offering that way. And uh, you can just go on to our website. There's also a way to do that as well. Good? Any questions? See them at the, at the counter out there. How's that? Yeah? All right. Or I'll be around. I'm going to stay right up front. If you've got questions, we can talk about that. Okay? Why don't you guys stand up? Why don't we, let's uh, sing a song of praise to our God on the way out today. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Thank you to Jameson for the shout out from the stage as well. That, let it be a lesson that if you're ever hosting church online, you make sure to tip the worship pastor before the gathering happens. And that way he says nice things about you to the online audience, which is all we can say. Say good morning. Uh, so that's always a good idea. There you go. Um, thank you again for joining us. If you have any questions about events, about care, about groups, uh, you can find all that information at lakesidechurch.com. You can also text Lakeside, just the word Lakeside, to 97000. And either myself or Christina, who's back here serving people somewhere in, in the lobby, uh, our head of guest service, um, uh, our guest service coordinator, pardon me, uh, we'll go ahead and text you back, answer any questions you have. It's just our digital front desk. So again, that's the uh, just the word Lakeside, one word to 97000. You can also give our office a call. We have office hours regularly Monday through Thursday. You can see those online as well at lakesidechurch.com. Enjoy the weather, everybody, and just continue to enjoy this holiday season. Thank you to all the fourth and fifth graders who decorated our lobby, did some awesome stuff with the pumpkins and pumpkin con. We have a women's worship night that's coming up, uh, not this week, but next week. Uh, so if you'd like to participate in the Women's Worship Night, definitely check that event out. And then we also have a few things starting to brew and getting ready for the holidays. Uh, starting the first Sunday in November, which I believe is November 7th, uh, we're going to have information starting to come out as well about what Christmas with Lakeside is going to look like this year and the kinds of events and holiday plans that are going on. So you can start to mark those dates off on your calendars and plan accordingly. So we'll have more of the holiday season and messaging and everything coming out November 7th. But until then, thanks for joining us. Thanks for kicking off the new series, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care.